Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Hey, um, if I haven't met you before, my name's Anthony. I'm one of the ministers here at York Street, and it's my, my true joy to be able to um, lead you around the word today. And so last week we kicked off a new sermon series called Give Joy, right? And Pastor Tim shared with us that, um, that our words hold power and influence. And so we need to be careful in how we use them. We have a choice whether we build people up, whether we, whether we give them... Um, encouragement and support through our words or whether we cut them down whether we don't build them up and so we hold a lot of power in, in our words and we need to be careful in, in the ways in which we use them and today I'm sharing a message called love is a verb putting our love of others into action looking at the fact that just because we say we love something doesn't mean we're necessarily willing to put it into practice. Anyone with me? So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to jump into the Word. Loving Lord, we, we thank you for the privilege it is to come before your, your Word, come before, your, uh, before you in worship in this way. Father God, would we, would we have open hearts, open ears, um, and, and a willingness to press into our relationship with you? Would you, would you guide us from this place today? Would we leave uh, encouraged and supported to go about your mission in this world? Loving Lord, be with us uh, in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do you really hate? There's lots of things in this life that really get on our nerves. And I'm sure there's plenty of things that we can all agree on that we hate. There's probably things like war and famine and poverty and... Any other things that we... Cancer. There's things that just we all would agree are terrible things in this world. But there's things that maybe, to a lesser degree, that we just really strongly dislike. Anyone got any suggestions of things they really dislike? Cyclists. Ouch. <laughs> Lucky it's me and not Pastor Tim. Geelong. Ge- wow, there you go. And so we've all got an opinion on football. Most of the state, if you barrack for anyone other than Collingwood, you've probably got a bit of an opinion about Collingwood. And then there's everyone else, right? What about waiting in traffic? Yeah. City traffic, inching along. It's a hassle. What about spilling spaghetti sauce on your brand new white shirt? Yeah. Mosquito bites. Actually, just mosquitoes in general. What about coriander? (laughs) There's the reaction. See, the thing with things we love and the things we hate, sometimes we're willing to go to great extents to prove it to the world. Like this person who thought it was a good idea to get a tattoo that says, I hate coriander. (laughs) They're really making a statement, yeah? What about footy fans? Right? When we go to the footy, we'll wear whatever. It doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter what we say. We'll do whatever it takes to support our footy team. 
right? If we did that midweek in Sturt Street, we might get more of a funny look, but at the MCG on a Saturday afternoon, anything goes. What about things we love? And again, we'll discount those things at the far end of the spectrum, right? We all love our kids. We all love our parents. And the, the correct answer is we all love Jesus, right? But what, what are the other things we, we like in life? Chocolate. Yeah? So, come on, make up your mind. <laughs> what about running? There's someone who may or may not be our sound tech today who just loves running so much, she's actually about halfway through the distance of travelling all the way around Australia. You've got to love running to do that. If I get that in my entire lifetime, trust me, it won't be running. It'll be walking and dragging my feet all the way to the end. What about gardening? Is your, is your lawn as, as you know, pristinely kept as this guy? And again, football teams bring out the best in, in both what we love and what we hate. What about Christmas? Who loves Christmas? A few more people in the early service. Cool. And there's probably always that person that you know that... Someone's waving goodbye. See ya. Uh, there's that person that you know is just obsessed with Christmas. Anyone got their Christmas tree up already? Oh, my goodness. Sarah and Marcus. Two. Wow, that is commitment. And it's only November the 12th. And see, if you don't know one of those types of people, like Sarah and Marcus, maybe you're one of them. And maybe you didn't want to put your hand up, and that's okay. See, we soon start to realise that we, we kind of order these things in our lives from most loved to most hated, like we just did in this exercise, right? Yeah, I need to make sure I'm getting this the right way around. Most loved, most hated. But there's also this weird middle ground, isn't there? There's the kind of the meh. It's like, I don't really care. And to be honest, that's me with football. It, on paper, if I had to ride a team that I supported, it'd be St Kilda, because I decided that when I was six, right? And so you don't change teams, because that's not OK. But I actually couldn't care less. I don't know where they finished in the ladder. I don't know who their, their captain or their coach is. I don't know who their players are. I'm just meh. And there's things in life that we do the same with, that it's easier to just ignore or not hold an opinion on, not, not, not really love or hate, we can just put it in the meh category. <laughs> yeah, what can you do about it, right? The weather can definitely, yeah, meh, if you live in Ballarat. <laughs> and so as we look at the scriptures today, we're going to see that, that what, it's, what it says about love and, and hate is far more black and white. There's no sort of... In plenty of times when we approach scripture, sometimes there's grey area or there's room for interpretation. But when it comes to love and hate, the way we treat one another, it's black and white. There's no middle ground. So let's open up our Bibles if you've got yours with you. We're going to have a look at the first letter of John, chapter 3, starting at verse 11. Now, for new players, this isn't the Gospel of John. If you go to the end of your, your uh, Bible... There's three letters. We're looking at the first one, chapter 3. And this is written by the Apostle John. He writes this letter to a community of believers. And specifically, chapter 3 addresses this idea of love and hate. And so he uses these two contrasting examples, one from the Old Testament and, the, and one uh, from the New Testament, which is Jesus. 
right? And so, 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 11, says this. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. I could end here. This is the message of the gospel. This is what life and a life with God is all about. We should love one another. But you've probably come here for a bit more than that. So I'll keep going. But see, this isn't new news to the people that John's writing to. Like he says, this is the message you've heard from the beginning. And it's not new news to us either. If you've been around church for any amount of time, whether it's one week or however many years, we should love one another is not a new concept. And so Jesus commands this of his disciples back, back in Matthew 22. And we're modern-day disciples of Jesus, so this applies to us too. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love your neighbour as yourself. This is what we call the great commandment. Love God, love people. And so we're only one verse in, and we've got our first point for today's message. We are commanded to love one another. Verse 12 says, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in them. This is a bit hard to hear. This is really black and white. If you don't know the story of Cain and Abel, you can check it out in Genesis chapter 4, where there's two brothers, and their names are? Bang. Well done. Cain and Abel are two brothers, and they bring offerings before the Lord. Abel brings his absolute best of his harvest and his livestock. The other brother, Cain, he's a bit meh. He doesn't bring his best. He kind of can't be bothered, and his offering isn't pleasing to the Lord. And so what happens he gets jealous of his brother, who's done the right thing, and he kills him. And so that's the reference in this passage here. Don't be like Cain. And don't be surprised if the world hates you. See, the world by default isn't out to promote love. Sometimes it looks a lot like love. Sometimes it's, it's really close. But underneath, it's not. The world doesn't try to bring people together. The world becomes divisive and, and the world has a way of being able to tear people down and use people up. The world in its utter brokenness finds a way to divide and separate and turn people against one another at every possible opportunity. You find any difference among us as humans and the world can use that as a point of division and separation. That's why we have these things in, in this broken world like racism and sexism and ageism, prejudices based on, on income or perceived class structures or differences in education or professions. 
And so as much as the world tries to promote love and freedom and you do you and live your truth and, and, and all of these catchphrases we hear, trying to, trying to make us feel warm and fuzzy inside gives us this short-term validation that, that we're, we're doing okay. And, and we, we feel good. We get this short-term kick and it, we feel independent and we're, we're valued as individuals. We can express ourselves the way we feel like it. Yet true love, true acceptance and value and purpose comes from only one source, a relationship with Jesus. And he picks us up out of those situations, out of those, those divisions that the world tries to put us into. And he picks us up out of there and he says, doesn't matter where you're from, where, you, where you're going, you are loved. I see your value and purpose. And I mark you as loved. And that's all that matters. And Jesus was active in this process, right? He didn't just sit there and, and hope that this would all come together. He put his life on the line for this course, for you and I, so that we might have this, this, this incredible purpose and future with him. And so a part of this passage is, is essentially saying, unless you love one another, unless you actively love one another, unless you're putting someone ahead of yourself, then you're at risk of being a cain. Not loving someone is as severe as killing them. And that's like, that's hard to hear. We can all think of those people in our lives that we'd maybe rather not see, rather not deal with, that grind our gears for whatever reason. And we're meant to love through that? E even though it, that person offended me, even though that person upset me, even, that, even though that person understands the world differently to me, has different views or opinions, I'm still meant to love through that? And we start to place people on this love-hate scale. And sometimes there's people in the middle that we're just like, meh. I don't love them. I don't hate them. They're just there. Maybe we don't even know them yet. But that's not what Scripture's telling us. See, the, the scriptural model is, is more like this. It's love or it's hate. It's black and white. If you're not loving, then you're not loving. And so how do we go about it? Well, we look at the second example that this passage tells us, Jesus. The second point today is loving others is evidence that we are followers of Christ. Verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Actions and in truth. I wonder if anyone's still got one of the blue wristbands from the start of the year. It says complete joy on it. Yeah? Robert, can you tell me the scripture verse on there? John 15, 11. That's what mine says anyway. Let's hope they're all the same. 
We're just going to revisit that because that's been our theme for this year. As we, as we look at, at this opportunity to give joy to those around us, we need to be reminded about what we've been talking about this year. So we're going to pick up the Gospel of John, which is earlier on in the, in the Bible, right? The Gospel of John, same John, different book. Chapter 15, verse 10, where it says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And verse 17 says this. This is my command. Love each other. According to this, we, the church, should be known for its love. Yet history tells us we don't always do so well at it. The church and its people and its leaders should, should be at the forefront of compassion and welfare and health and education. And there's been a time where we were. And we can start to play the blame game. We can blame the current government or the past government or the leaders at the time, and it's easy to place that blame somewhere else. But if we're completely honest, it's because of our lack of love in action. We try to place things and people on that spectrum of love and hate. Like there's a, a priority system that some people deserve more love than others. It's, it's important that we don't get caught up in this trap of being meh about things either. Because we learn from the scriptures that, that being apathetic about it is just as bad as hating someone. Not caring about the, the middle section of people on your spectrum is just as bad as putting them right at the end. Because it's love or not love. Do you follow Jesus' command to love one another or do you not? People should know us for our love and compassion, our sense of justice. People should be able to see Jesus through us. And they do. Jules gave us an example of, like, why do we do the big blessing day? Why, do, why would we do this? People don't seem to help people like they used to. Or people don't look after one another in the way that maybe society needs. Why would you do this? Well, it's our command. It's our command. Jesus tells us to, and, and it's our greatest opportunity to worship him, to love other people. Imagine if people on the street recognised you for the love that you show other people. And see, we should have the monopoly on, on loving people, right? We have the inside information. We've got the guidebook. We've got the ultimate example in Jesus. And remember it says, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And we're like, of course, of course I'd lay down my life for my friends. I love those guys. I'd do anything for them. What about your next door neighbour that you don't know so well? What about the guy at the bus stop that you pass every day and you can just tell there's something going on? What about 
fill in the gaps in your scenario because you know there's people in your life that need more love. And lay down our lives. Yeah, sure, we'd, we'd lay down our lives, but we can't give someone 10 minutes of our time. We find a reason to be too busy to pray or be too busy to give someone that lift because we've got, to, got our own timeline, right? We've got our own things to do. It takes intentional effort and it actually might feel counterintuitive and going against the grain to love someone because the world tells us that's not the norm anymore. I don't know where you're at or what your scenario looks like, but I can guarantee in these few moments together that the Lord has probably kicked you in the heart a bit. You know why I know that? Because he does it to me too. I'm not here trying to tell you that I'm doing great at this. We all miss opportunities for love. We all miss the opportunities to care. Point number three today. Love in action gives us confidence before God. Verse 19 says, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him everything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. See, it's a part of the human condition to fall short. We all do it. We aren't going to get it right all the time. Our extension of love may not be received as love. It happens. But God's so much bigger. He's more powerful than any thought or any action of love that we can ever possibly consider. And he extends his grace to us. That even though we don't always take every opportunity, even though there's times when it's easier just not to act, he meets us where we're at. And he says, stand up and go again. Come on, Michael. Come on, Bree. Let's go. Again, try again. Because there's always an opportunity around the corner. Everywhere we go, there's an opportunity to show God's love to people. And so he doesn't condemn us because he's being the example of love to us. We have his love within us to share. Another angle to this is who and how we love. If I get to the end of my life, and I'm with Jesus asking about all sorts of stuff, mostly those mosquitoes from earlier, what's that about? If I get to that, those, you know, those first days in heaven and I'm like, could I have done anything better? I want him to say, you gave it your best. And see, we, we start to place people on that line and then people fall off the end, people miss out. We can't go wrong by trying to love. Even when that person's different to us. The person that drops their, their groceries in the car park, who happens to be Muslim. They're different to us. They believe different things to us. They're still a human who needs love. That person that thinks they can't walk into church because they're same-sex attracted. They still need love. They have a different worldview. 
They have a different understanding of life. They still need love and they still need Jesus. So we have an opportunity to point them to Jesus or not. Love or not. And see, when you actively make a decision to see past this division in the world and actively extend love beyond these barriers that the world tries to create within us, you realise we're all just the same. We're all created in God's image. And we're all worthy of love and acceptance. Are we getting this, guys? So we know that we are commanded to love one another. And we know that loving others is evidence of Christ in us. Loving action gives us this, this confidence before God that if we're loving people, we can't go wrong. And in the, in the final verses of our passage today, it says this, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Like I said at the start, it's this simple. Believe in Jesus. Obey him. Love your brother and sister. Friends, we need to stop prioritising the love we give to people around us. We need to stop placing them on that spectrum. Even in our, in our indifference, we need to make a stand one way or the other. Do we get it right? No. But we keep on, keep on keeping on. We keep pressing on towards the goal. And we take the next opportunity because there's always one. Every single day as we go about life. Could we be God's people that, that people look to and say, what is it with you? Why do you just love people so much? Could we be those people? Could we be that church? I want to share a moment together just uh, before we wrap up and kick the water bottle. I want to give us the space to maybe identify those, those lost opportunities and seek the next ones. So as I said, we, we, we all have God's grace in these, these times when we don't get it right, when we choose not love. And so maybe the Lord's got someone on your heart that you might want to repair a relationship with. Or maybe you want to seek the Lord in the, those next opportunities when, when you might be able to extend his love to someone else. But it takes intentional action. We can't just sit on the fence. We can't just be meh about love. It's love or it's not. So I just want to invite you in the next few minutes to just spend a moment in reflection about maybe missed opportunities or seeking opportunities to come.
as the band comes up, let's play. Pray. Loving Lord, we, we confess that we're merely human. We don't get this thing called life right all the time. But Father God, in your, in your grace and in your strength, may we be people that, that choose love, that take the opportunities to show care and compassion and love and support to those around us. Forgive us for those times when we've missed the opportunity. Would you present us with new opportunities? And may we be emboldened by your spirit to step into what you've called us to do. May we extend the love that you have given each one of us to the world around us so that people might see us and see you. Lord, you have been so, so good to us, so much so that you would lay down your life for us. Anything we can offer will fall short of that. But Lord, may we stand stand up and try again. Father, would you be with us as we stand up from these pews today and take these next steps in our faith journey? Would you reveal to us that next opportunity to love someone, to support someone, to build them up into the plans and purposes you have for them? When we see a brother or sister in need, may we act. May we put our love and faith in you above any worldly barrier, any worldly division? Would we see past that and see a child of God that needs your love? May we be your vessels in sharing that love with those around us. And may today be the first step in that direction. We know that you provide opportunities every single day for us to show your love to people. May we not, we, may we not just be in a space of, nah, I, don't, I don't know how to act, I don't know how to care. May we step into the confidence we have in you to draw people into a place where they experience the love of God. Would you be with us as we go from this place today? In Jesus' name. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.